Hello everyone, welcome back to the Watchful Nights Week in Review. My name is Ishiv, now fully legal to drink anywhere in the world. Yes, today is my birthday, December 3rd, and I'm now 21. Um, but I'm at the Watchful Night on Instagram, or just Watchful Night on Letterboxd. As you know, I'm going to go through the movies that I watched this week and the previous week, because I didn't get a chance to record in Thanksgiving, adding a little more color to my reviews, followed by a movie to keep on your radar, and since I'm going to be talking a lot about the films that I watched this past week, no five movies to watch when. I hopefully should be able to bring that back next week. I really hope you enjoyed the interview I did with my sisters. Um, as you can tell, that we are all really big fans of film in general. Um, and yeah, make sure to reach out so that if you want to be a guest on the show, on the show, a guest on this podcast, um, I'd be happy to talk. It's it's really fun to have someone else on the other side. And then as always, let me know what you are liking, what you're not liking, so I can improve the next episodes. I'm going to move straight into the week in review and yeah, so I didn't record during Thanksgiving, so you have two weeks worth of content. Um, I'm still only going to pick four to delve deeper into. And that's starting with the menu. So the menu, I went to go watch this. The day I arrived to my sister's place in Chicago, uh, it's called It's the Menu, released in 2022, directed by Mark Mylod, and he's the director of many succession episodes, the best succession episodes. Um, so that's why I was extremely intrigued. For those of you who don't know, Succession is currently my favorite TV show. It stars Ray Fine, Anya Taylor-Joy, and Nicholas Holt, and this received a 7.3 out of 10. And it follows this group of people all coming from, like, yeah, different walks of life, and it's centered around this one couple, uh, and who go to this exclusive restaurant where you have this really, really high-class chef and the chef has prepared his lavish menu with some really shocking personal surprises for the guests. So what I liked about this movie, I think first of all the premise is really unique. I think the fact that this hasn't been explored in film before is kind of kind of baffling to me because there's it can just lend itself to so many more ways to explore things and I think food in general when it's captured on film it, for those of you who don't know that's something that we talk about a lot um, is that it's hard to film scenes with food because there's so many continuity issues and so maybe that's why people have stayed away with that but yeah it's an extremely unique premise I'm so glad that someone took this opportunity um, very relevant social commentary from my interpretation more on that when I get to the stuff that I didn't like now that I've bathed in this movie for a while. Um, so yeah, I think it's super relevant and particularly nuanced as well. Most of the performances are really great. I think Ray Fine is awesome. I, there, there was no one else who could have played that role. I mean, that's not necessarily true, but I think he brings his Voldemort self to that and it really works. And then Nicholas Holt and even in general, his character, not maybe particularly Nicholas Holt. I feel like you could have put anyone in that role, but his character is extremely well written. Um, he's a slimy guy, but you know, he's trying his best to suck up and yeah, he was the funniest and most annoying part of that movie. 
Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of stuff to like. I think that, yeah, it was just a really good, unique movie to go in and going in knowing not where it's going to take you. I mean, I was somewhat underwhelmed on where it took us eventually. I didn't have enough meat, but it, it was nice to sit in the theater and, and be taken on this ride. So what I didn't like is that this movie had no distinctive visual style, which is really disappointing because this is the type of movie I feel like it would because, you know, you have this really exclusive restaurant and you have this exclusive menu and the food, the food stuff, the, the production design there was done really well, um, especially because it was done to comedic effect. But the place itself, it's just, it feels kind of like the first thing I would think of. And that's definitely not the right way to go because it's just on an island and, you know, designed the way you would think it would be designed with no really inspiration behind it. So, yeah, I think that was kind of disappointing. Anya Taylor-Joy, she's great in the second half of the movie, but she, his, her character was not working for me. And I, not really her character. I think it's her in particular, like she i don't know i don't know she can't really be the sass master <laughs> um so yeah it wasn't working for me in the beginning but i think she hit her stride once the things shift um and then here's the thing i was talking about in terms of my interpretation and what this film is trying to say it's it's you know it's about classism for sure and, and it's about classism and art but it's arguing for appreciation of things that are supposed to be appreciated and is also about knowing when something is too pretentious not to appreciate it and that's what i took away from the movie but i feel like that message is somewhat muddled like you can you can walk away from this film either taking away that you know being pretentious is stupid and so any form of appreciation is just veering out acclaim and accolades when there's nothing there or it's really arguing for the fact that you need to appreciate the original intent of something or the, the basis of something. And so now that I've had more time to think of it, I think there's evidence on both sides, um, which kind of make the movie less compelling now that I think about it. But I think um, in general, I, it's still, say, still saying something really important either way. So would I recommend it? Yes. It's a very innovative and unique movie nonetheless you're gonna have a great time watching it then we watched united 93 um i think we watched this on monday or tuesday um this was released in 2018 it's directed by paul greengrass starring david allen bash and olivia thurby received a 7.8 out of 10 and the fact that you haven't heard of these names is part of the point of this film it's supposed to be like documentary like it's about 9-11 really harrowing movie it received a 7.8 out of 10 a really extremely well made the documentary style works wonders for this film a few complaints with the fact that it's not as character centered which is kind of the point but it, it i feel like it could have made a much bigger impact if there was someone to latch on to um, but I would recommend it. Yes, it's very realistic, very intense. We were all on edge as we were watching it. Okay, moving to Pink Panther, the Pink Panther 2006. 
2006, released in 2006. This is a film that I have seen multiple times, and it's kind of become a staple watch for me each year. Me and my eldest sister really enjoy this film, and my family as a whole enjoy this film. I think we like it to an extent that they don't. Uh, it's directed by Sean Levy, starring the great Steve Martin, Jean Renault, Kevin Klein, and Beyonce. And this received a 6.0 out of 10. You know, this this time I watched it, I mean, I still was dying of laughter. But I, I kind of noticed, like, a lot of the point was that it, it could be very specific to me and my family because we just find Steve Martin and him being French extremely funny. And if you don't really necessarily find that humorous, you might not find the movie funny at all. Um, but I would still recommend it. I still think it's a good thing to try it. And th this movie, like I was reading online, gets a lot of hate. And there's no way that it deserves the hate that it gets. So it's super funny, even if it only appeals to certain people. Um, very, if you've seen Johnny English, which is generally received very well, you will, I, w I would think you would like this film. Um, and it's still a good time. Okay, so now I'm going to talk about a movie that I feel like I could spend an hour talking about, not because it's on the extremely good side, but quite the contrary, and it's Don't Worry Darling. Um, released this year, directed by Olivia Wilde, if you haven't heard already, um, all the controversy that's happened. Starring Florence Pugh, Harry Styles, Gemma Chan, Olivia Wilde, and Chris Pine. This received a 4.4 .4 out of 10. So using the 50s aesthetic, it's kind of supposed... Again, we're going to talk about this. But yeah, using the 50s aesthetic, let's just say, a housewife living in an experimental utopian community begins to worry that the place must be housing some dark secrets and they're not telling them everything. So what I liked about this movie, very few things, but Florence Pugh, Florence Pugh, Florence Pugh, she is amazing. She's one of the most promising actors right now, um, and she proves again with this film, there's no way I would have taken this movie seriously without her in it. She was amazing, and she does so much with very little to work off of, because even thinking back, like... I'm sure when she read the script, I mean, something spoke to her, that's why she did the movie, but there's not much that she was required, that like seemed legitimate or authentic, but she made it that way, and yeah, I think she deserves all the credit in the world for this film. Also, a small shout out to Chris Pine, and I say small because he has a very small role in this film, but he is, he's really good in this movie. He really gets under your skin really creepy and really charming in the in the perfect ways so those two people are awesome and also um olivia wilde the direction i don't think that's bad i don't think it's bad at all i think the direction is actually very um very fitting to the film and to the actors especially um but yeah we'll just get to what i don't like later uh, the other thing I, I liked about this movie is that it's it's very well shot, that people have been saying that, and I have to agree. The cinematographer actually worked with um, Darren Aronofsky, who did like Black Swan, um, Requiem for a Dream, 
what else? He he's he did the whale, um, and he worked on his, some of his films, so he really knows um, how to frame things that they seem off, but they still look on the outside very very aesthetically pleasing. Okay, so what I didn't like about this movie, and it really does get down to one thing, and it's the screenplay. I think the script is awful. There's so many holes in this film that make the whole, like, the mechanics of the plot, but also the mechanics of, like, the broader ideas immediately fall apart. And the the main culprit of that is the twist that happens, which, thinking back on it now, I don't know why I didn't see it coming. I feel like I thought it would be too obvious, and that's why I kind of disregarded it. Um, but it goes there. Like, the it just goes in the most obvious place, and it just destroys everything everything that this this movie's trying to say and it, it just can't commit like so for example i watched this one of my sisters had already seen it and i watched this with my sisters and we had an extended argument about what this film was about and it doesn't seem like the movie that should have so i was arguing on the side that you know the men were evil and they were manipulating these women to be part... Oh, the men were evil. Well, I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't, I don't know why you would watch this movie. But yeah, the, the men were evil. And then their side was that they're not necessarily evil. They just like this sense of control and the sense of escapism. I might have given away too much about... The, <laughs> sorry. I have given away too much about the movie there. Um, but, you, just, you know, if you're still interested, still watch it it's not going to ruin your experience and and the fact that we still even had that argument and, and to me you know it's not a movie like i'm going to talk about this later but it's not a movie like a racerhead um a david lynch film where you're like supposed to take away anything you want from it and it's up to you and that's the point of it I feel like it's really supposed to be on the side of Get Out. Like, if you walk out of Get Out and be like, no, you know, these guys aren't actually racist. They actually, like, value their bodies. I'm like, that's not the point, right? So I feel like this movie is supposed to be on that side, but it can't just, like, it can't fully put it, its foot down. Um, so I feel like the screenplay is very contained um, wrongly in that aspect. So I think really that's that's the main thing that's wrong with this film, is the script. Uh, like I mentioned, the direction is is fine. Uh, another few things that are bad in this movie, Harry Styles is is pretty awful. Um, I I laughed in a scene that I'm pretty sure a lot of people laughed in. If, you know, a very emotional, tense scene that he's in. Um, and yeah, he just needs a few more acting classes. The interesting thing is, I think he has the he has the power to be a good actor. Like he's not a JT like a Justin Timberlake, who like tried movies, and he realized he couldn't do it, and I'm extremely glad he's not in movies anymore, but I feel like Harry Styles has the potential, um, he just needs to work on it a bit more, before he starts coming in more films, and then he comes out in My Policeman, so I don't know. Okay, also nothing happens in this first half of this film, and, you know, people will be like, yeah, but there's clues here and there. I'm like, the, the clues don't matter if they don't pan out to anything important. Like, the, the inciting incident of this film, like, literally, the, I, the, the <laughs> what gets the main character invested in these secrets, the thing that incites that incident, we never 
get an explanation for that what that was and it's not like in a Jordan Peele film right where it's where you realize the significance later on and, and as a film as a whole but it's like just put in there to be mysterious yeah it's it's bad and then yeah it was just messy I think I'd, I wouldn't recommend it um also but I do want to say that this movie has been getting way too much hate I think this movie could have been a lot worse than it was, and there, there were, there are two. Actually, there are three main saving graces: Florence Pugh and Chris Pine a little bit, the cinematography, and and I do think the direction is pretty good. I mean, you know, I think that I feel like the direction was directed right. It had a it had a purpose, um, but when you're working with material like the screenplay was, you're gonna get a bad movie. So yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, if you're interested, sure. I guess it's not a complete waste of time, but I wouldn't recommend it. Okay, then we re then we yeah, me and my eldest sister rewatched Ford v Ferrari uh, to show my other sister, and this was released in 2019. You know, 2019 like probably the best year in film we've had this past decade with films like Parasite, Knives Out, um, even 1917, which I actually like a lot, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and this is the movie that was nominated for Best Picture that was doing the least for film that year. Um, and I and I remember watching it for the first time and really liking it, and I watched it this time, still kind of liking it for two main reasons. Um, but then just realizing that there's really not much else going on in this movie. So for Ferrari, it's, this is not an extended thing I'm going to talk about, but if you don't know, it follows um, Le Mans in 66, where Ford tries to beat Ferrari with the race. So it's directed by James Mangold, starring Christian Bale, Matt Damon, and John Bernthal. And this received a 7.0 out of 10. The, so the two reasons I like it is Christian Bale and Matt Damon's chemistry is amazing. Christian Bale is great in this film. I actually think it's one of his best performances because of how naturalistic it is um, and how close to himself it seems like it is. Um, and then the racing scenes are some of the best put to film. And the editing in that in those scenes are is fantastic. So yeah, that that stuff really works it and makes it a seven by itself. It's really latching on to those actors for me. That it makes it a seven. So would I recommend it? Yes, it's still some harmless fun, you know. And those racing scenes, that last hour, is really really fun. Um, and yeah, really fun. Okay, so then we watched Thirteen Lives. Um, this one was about the kids, the the soccer team that was trapped under the cave quite recently in 2018. I'm not much to say about this film other than that it was good. So yeah, released this year, directed by Ron Howard, you know, the king of the true story films, um, starring Colin Farrell, Viggo Mortensen, and Joel Edgerton. Slowly realizing that Colin Farrell is one of my favorite actors. <clears throat> That's besides the point. This received a 7.6 out of 10. Yeah, definitely recommended. Very intense, very nail-biting. And also super well done in terms of its sets, and there's those are real stunts um, that were that was being done. So extremely well photographed, and yeah, I would recommend it. Nothing much to say about that movie. Then we rewatched. Well, I 
yeah, we rewatched Hercules, released in 1997, the the animated version, not the the rock version, um, directed by Ron Clements and John Musker, starring Tate Donovan, Susan Egan, Danny DeVito, and James Woods. And this received a 7.5 out of 10. Would I recommend it? Yes. I don't think I have to say anything about this movie. I'm sure you know a lot about it. Two selling points. The the only two selling points you really need in this film is Hades. John James Woods as Hades is, in my opinion, I st- yeah, I still think that's true. It, it's the best Disney villain. And the music in this film is amazing. Very, very unique. Very, very catchy. And fit the movie very well. Okay, then we watched Lincoln. This is a movie that we've been trying to show one of my sisters for an extremely long time, and she wasn't as impressed with this film. And I kind of get why, um, but I still think it's pretty good. So, released in 2012, directed by the man himself, Steven Spielberg, starring Daniel Day Lewis, Sally Field, David Strathern and Tommy Lee Jones. This received a 7.3 out of 10. It's a good movie. Um, it's not doing anything more than it, it is doing, if that makes sense, right? Like, it's not, it's not blowing anything out of proportion. It's not going above and beyond the expectations. It's In fact, it's, like, right near the expectation. Um, Daniel DeLewis is awesome per usual. Tommy Lee Jones is amazing in this movie. The performances, I think, they're the best part of this film. And the writing is really good, too. Uh, yeah, I just think they could have been doing a lot more. Even And I also really do like how it's so focused on that one event. Um, that's that's one of my complaints for my sister. And I'm saying like that that part, for me, really works. It just needs to be far more... Like, have a little more spice, have a little bit more meat to it. Um, yeah, because I feel like this is a movie that we should remember for a long time, and a lot of people have forgot about it. Okay, so I started my David Lynch binge. Didn't know that rhymed until now. Not really a rhyme. Lynch binge, yeah, doesn't rhyme. On this past Thursday, on Thursday... Um, and I watched Eraserhead, you know, because that's a great place to start it, start, and I want to talk about this movie. So, Eraserhead, released in 1977, directed by David Lynch, starring Jack Nance and Charlotte Stewart and, like, a few other people, but really only Jack Nance, 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 and I received a 7.4 out of 10. It's about, it's this surrealistic film about a man who tries to survive his industrial environment, his um, angry girlfriend and her parents, and the the unbearable sounds of his newborn infant. It's, it's, it's a fantastical horror film. So what I liked about this movie, this movie is the true example of expressionism. It's all about being weird and for the sake of being weird and it's letting you decipher it which was super cool to see and it, and I say it's it's being weird for the sake of being weird but it's still very purposeful right like I, I genuinely think that David Lynch had an idea of what he was doing he just didn't like throw a bunch of stuff together which is a lot of people's complaint about this film but I think that I think it really works 
Um, the imagery in this movie is amazing. I haven't seen anything like it before. Uh, this movie really reminded me of Tragedy Macbeth, and I'm like, that that movie was nothing compared to this. Um, even though, I mean, Tragedy Macbeth looks great, but this this had a lot of jarring imagery. And so, from my interpretation of what the film is about, and the, and the really the point of this film is you can take whatever you want from it, is it's about, I think it's about the fear of fatherhood and increasing responsibility that comes that comes with it. And I think that was extremely well done, um, if that's what it's about. David Lynch famously has maintained silence and gets annoyed when people try to pry information from him about this film. Um, so yeah, I don't know if I will ever be right, but I think it really works. So what I didn't like about this movie is that it's not made for a general audience. There's no attempt to empathize with the the masses. It's all fine and good to have a weird movie, but you know, to, to make it a, make it accessible, you should have somewhat of a through line, like of a like a beginning, middle, end plot, plot with some sort of like identifiable conflict resolution climax, or have <laughs> a character to latch onto and that doesn't make the same facial expression throughout the film which is a completely intentional, by the way. It just doesn't provide enough viewing pleasure, I would say. And then the editing is kind of weird. And it's really weird. Like, editing is, is was the place that you can be nitpicky on, but this one kind of makes it clear that it's his first film. Um, I So I have in my bullet points that maybe the editing was intentional, but I, I really think it was just a sign that it was his first movie. So would I recommend it? It's a hard one to recommend because I think you have to work your way up to this film. I would never tell someone to watch Eraserhead if they hadn't seen a movie before, let alone if they hadn't seen like a hundred before. So I would say you would have to watch other weirder films first. Harkening back to my amazing week of film I had before Thanksgiving, like I would try The Lobster if you're up to it, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, um, before you get into this film, to really, like, comprehend and get what it's doing, um, and to appreciate it. So, yes, I would recommend it once you get to that point. Okay, then I watched The Elephant Man today. Uh, sorry, not today. Friday night, and it was released in 1980, directed by David Lynch, starring Anthony Hopkins and John Hurt. And this received a 7.3 out of 10. Not much to say that, well, there's a lot to say, I guess, about it. this movie too. Looks great. Like, it's a, it looks really, really nice. The black and white cinematography really works. Very touching story. Um, very sad. You know, makes you feel bad to be a person. Because it re- literally says that you would be doing this if you were in that situation. It's a true story. I would recommend it. Yeah, it's it's more accessible than a racer head for sure. Okay, then I watched Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me, and I'm I'm gonna take this moment to to realize one thing is that I haven't been talking about shows at all on this podcast, and that's kind of what I wanted to do as well when I started it. So I'm gonna talk about shows. I feel like when I finish a season, so I'm gonna talk about Twin Peaks first. I watched Twin Peaks in preparation to my Lynch marathon. The only other David Lynch movie I had seen before, the three that I'd watched this past week, was Dune. 
And so I started with Twin Peaks and I finished, well, what was the show, but the first two seasons. And I, and I liked it. I, I, I think I came around to it in the end. It's to me when I first started watching it was a show that I appreciated more than I was enjoying. Um, like the whole first season was like that. Then the first half of the second season, I was like, okay, the show is good. I like where it's going. Maybe because I was more open-minded after I was watching the first season, it's a very unconventional show. Um, it blew the waters wide open for TV when it came back when it came out back in the day. Um, Donald Glover said that Atlanta is Twin Peaks but with rappers and that is the the perfect explanation um, I would say yeah that's the perfect explanation so Atlanta you know it's Twin Peaks is a bit more soap opera-esque um, than Atlanta is but all the weird stuff that happens in Atlanta is directly taken from the show like the the sense of weird weirdness yeah uh one thing is abundantly clear though that kyle mclaughlin did not get his due course in hollywood he should have been in the star of every movie he's so endearing charismatic yeah he's great so twin peaks would i recommend the show I think I would. I think this it's a it's a very unique show. There's nothing like it out there. You have I guarantee you that you haven't seen anything like it unless, you know, you've seen Atlanta. Um but even then, it's very different. It takes a while to get on board with it, I'll say. For sure. Um but then you get to watch Firewalk with me. And that has made me appreciate the show far more. So, Twin Peaks, Firewalk With Me, released in 1992, directed by David Lynch, starring Cheryl Lee, Ray Wise, oh, okay, Ray Wise, Kyle MacLachlan, and this received a 7.6 out of 10. Sorry, to track back, Twin Peaks tracks this, you know, small town um, after the homecoming queen, Laura Palmer, gets murdered, brutally murdered. And this FBI agent, who's played by Kyle MacLachlan, he's like super quirky and, you know, he really trusts his gut and believes in instinct and intuition, he comes in to help solve it. And then it's about this intertwining story, the intertwining stories of these characters in this small town. So the plot of Fire Walk With Me is a prequel, so it tracks the story of the days leading up to the murder of Laura Palmer. So what I liked about this movie, this movie when it ended and even when it was going, it was just very visceral. Um, like you genuinely felt like you were there, but as an outsider, and and that's why I don't think it's immersive, right? Like it's not like you were standing in the room, but you were you were the third person fly on the wall. Um, yeah, it's an experience that I I've never had before in a movie, and I think I'm and that makes me more excited to see even more. Lynch stuff because I it's really cool for him to do that. Other thing is that Cheryl Lee, who plays Laura Palmer, one of the finest performances that I have ever seen, and I and I mean that truly. I think she does extremely well in this film. She didn't get a you know, she didn't have much of a role in the show. And um, David Lynch really liked her and wanted her to have a full role. 
and she's amazing she's really good i really really liked what she was doing she was always convincing um also this movie is a horror movie like there's there's it's a bits a horror movie um the show you know kind of filled with the line but has to keep it kind of pg because it was being aired on primetime tv this one goes all out so it's a straight up horror film very very creepy um it also closed a lot of loose ends from the first two seasons which was a really cool thing and a very satisfying thing but it's also a very satisfying experience on its own so like the point i'm trying to make here is that it, the this show didn't only exist to close the loose ends it's here to tell another vital piece of the story uh yeah it's a good movie uh what i didn't like it makes no sense if you haven't seen the show and that's not really a doc on the movie but if you haven't seen the show you will think it is utter crap and so again it's back to the accessibility issue that i was talking about a racer head but in this one he could have made it to the point where there's some sort of introduction but this one just like throws you in there assumes you know everything that's the other thing like this um this movie makes assumes that you've seen all of the episodes like the night before because there's so much to pick up on so that's another thing the they had to replace donna which is a she's a prominent character in the show and was played really well by lara flynn boyle and the new donna is is bad like she does not it's i think it was more like moira kelly she wasn't good and then um the show was really about providing more questions than answers and that is the theme of a lot of david lynch stuff but it doesn't translate as well in the movie um specifically in the term in in the context of twin peaks i feel like this film was supposed so this film came out because the show was canceled after the first two seasons and i really feel like this was the movie where it's like david lynch like gave them the finger and be like all right like see what i can do now um yeah so that's why i think the the mentality is a bit off um but i would recommend so yeah i would recommend this movie but so if you haven't seen the show i would definitely not recommend recommend it it would not make sense and you'll think it's stupid if you have seen the show i see no reason why you wouldn't watch this movie so I mean, I guess my recommendation is kind of served in either boat that you were in. Um, if you hated their show it, and you that's why you don't watch the movie, I would say then I would recommend it, yes, um, because it can reinvigorate your interest. It definitely did for me. It's the second season of Twin Peaks is infamous for its like really 10-episode slog where nothing happens. And I was, like, getting tired of it. And then this movie was like, okay, you know, shows go through that. So, yeah. And then, finally, the movie to keep on your radar. Um, I'm going to go back to a movie that was released this year. It's still in theaters. It's The Menu. It's a very fun movie. A movie that you can spend hours talking about after it's over. Um, not because there's so much to pick up on, but because, A, it's very unique, and B, that... Um, theme muddling is works really well and then it, it you know a lot of movies in these past few years have been very angry and um 
like even the horror movies I feel like like Barbarian is very angry um, and then you have and then it's it's this realm of anti-classism like you have films like by Parasite Triangle of Sadness to see here and then The Menu and this one is really like the feeler the appetizer if you will to those types of films right like I wouldn't throw you in straight to a Triangle of Sadness or a Parasite for that matter but this is the first one that like shows you what this anti-classism satirical comedy dark comedy genre is all about all right cool so that concludes this week this week's episode and see you next week